Welcome to Quest for Gold. We are just days out from the Summer Games in Tokyo. Some tough news on these days leading up to the opening ceremonies. U.S. alternate gymnast Kara Eaker has tested positive for COVID-19, meaning she will not be able to compete in the upcoming Olympic Games. The news coming a day after young American tennis star Coco Gauff announced she would not be able to participate in the Olympics after testing positive for COVID-19. And of course, we learned last week that USA basketball player Bradley Beal also tested positive and will not be heading to Japan. A major corporate sponsor is pulling out of the games. Toyota says it will not be airing any Olympic-themed advertisements on Japanese TV, despite it being one of the major corporate sponsors of the International Olympic Committee. Toyota's chief communications officer told reporters Monday there are many issues with these games that are proving difficult to be understood. Toyota says it will continue to support the athletes it is sponsoring during the games. One Olympic athlete in Tokyo is trying to debunk rumors that the beds made from cardboard in Olympic Village are intended to keep athletes from extracurricular activities during the games. But Irish gymnast Riss McClenaghan is proving those rumors wrong, jumping on his own bed. In today's episode of Fake News at the Olympic Games, the beds are meant to be anti-sex. They're made out of cardboard, yes, but apparently they're meant to break at any sudden movements. It's fake Fake news. The official Twitter handle of the Olympics retweeted the video, adding the sustainable cardboard beds are sturdy. The U.S. women's and men's basketball teams closed out training with exhibition wins in Las Vegas before heading off to the games in Tokyo. USA Baseball plays an exhibition Tuesday before heading off to Japan Wednesday. In our athlete spotlight today, we talk with 400-meter hurdler David Kenziera of Illinois. He heads to Tokyo on Saturday and is hoping to get the most out of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. All right, so we're days out from the games right now. When are you planning to head over there? So I head out on the 24th of July. So after, after the opening ceremonies have already begun, there's not going to be a lot of time for you to, uh, to get ready to go. That's right, yeah. Um, it was something kind of a surprise. I didn't even think of it um, when the opening ceremonies were going to happen. But then um, when I started putting two and two together, I then started realizing, wait a second, we're not even going to be out there for opening ceremonies. And that was what, um, when I went through team processing, the group told me, or USATF, that's what they told me. They said that, you know, the earliest that track and field athletes can get in is the 24th. And I was like, okay, no problem. But then once looking back at it, I'm like, oh, shoot, opening ceremonies is the 23rd. So I honestly don't think that many athletes are going to be walking through the opening ceremonies um, just because of the uptick in COVID cases in Japan. Yeah, Are you following those numbers? We, we saw a new line of numbers that said that it's the highest that it's been in Japan in, in several months. And obviously, they're back under a state of emergency. Are you trying to ignore that kind of information and news as best you can? Or, or do you try to keep up on it? No, I, honestly, I've been trying to keep up on it as much as possible. Um, when they said they had the uptick in numbers and cases, um, I immediately kind of went to like the Google um, COVID tracker and everything. And I saw like at first, because everyone's um, data is kind of delayed. And I saw that they were at like lows. They were at uh, complete lows and everything. And then these past couple of days I've been looking and it's been going higher and higher and higher. So um, I haven't been thinking of it too much in terms of like health wise, because I I am vaccinated and I feel like I usually will go through the, um, the right precautions and like wear my mask and everything and not put myself in a uh, bad environment. Cause I mean, I've been trying to avoid bad environments this entire year, last year, just so that I don't, you know, 
get the um, get the virus so that you know it puts me behind or I lose my opportunity to race at the Olympics. So um, yeah, I've definitely been following like all guidelines and stuff like that. Does the fact that you're vaccinated change their approach to you when it comes to potential exposure? Let's say you are in a tight quarters for some reason with someone who may have tested positive. Does the fact that you have been vaccinated allow you to continue to compete or do you go into the same protocols as someone who hasn't been vaccinated? So it did help. Um, the vaccine did help when it came to the Olympic trials and everything, where if you were in close quarters with a roommate or someone else that tested positive, if you had the vaccine, then you would not have to go into quarantine for being uh, contact traced. But out in Japan, it does not help. They are still going to... Um, if you are within six feet of someone that um, tests positive, then they're going to have you go into contact tracing and then go into quarantine as well. And like, it's a crazy way that they're doing it too, where they have all the athletes download this app and the app is basically like a tracking device for you. And you are now essentially your phone. So if your phone is in, if you left your phone in the dining hall or something like that for 15 minutes and you went up to your room and then some other person sat at that table by your phone and they tested positive while you weren't there. And then you come back down and grab your phone and you don't see them at all. But since your phone was there, um, they're going to put you into contact tracing because your phone, like essentially your phone was next to them and everything, which is kind of scary. So definitely got to keep all devices, technology on you at all times. They haven't, they haven't quite called it a bubble. I think they're trying to avoid that term as, as much as possible, but there are, are definitely restrictions and limitations as to where you are able to go once you land. Um, it's my understanding that you can't even stop off at a gift shop or uh, a restaurant at the airport. Do you have any idea what the logistics are of you actually getting to your residence, wherever that's going to be? You know, I think we are stuck to the Olympic Village. Um, that's what I've heard so far. So it's going to be a business trip out there. You know, you're going straight for your event. You're going to get out there, go to the Olympic Village, hang out there until you race, then come back after your race and then just hang out. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like they're allowing much traveling or sightseeing for any of the athletes, but um, I think it will still be a great opportunity. I think it's going to still be an awesome experience. They have all of Team USA in one building. So, I mean, about 900 athletes or so, all from Team USA, like will be in the same building, different floors. So, I mean, like, the possibility of running into people um, is going to be awesome. So you, you, you might still run into Damian Lillard or Zach Levine or, you know, some of these NBAers, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, like, I know I want to run into, you know, some of the people uh, part of the gymnastics team, part of the swimming team, and then especially the NBA athletes as well. You know, uh, you threw out Zach Levine. I mean, I'm from Illinois, from Mount Prospect, so I'm a big Bulls fan. And then the funny thing is, too, is one of Zach Levine's high school teammates was my roommate in um in college okay yeah so like I'm, awesome. you know, I'm gonna bring it up to him and be like hey man you know i know your high school roommate or your high school teammate 
we're best buds now. <laughs> but, but, but there's not going to be a lot. Unfortunately, there's not going to be a lot of time to uh, to rub elbows, I guess. I, and you brought up the point that this is a business trip. And I think, you know, you you were not in 2016. This is your first Olympic Games. This is going to be a much different experience from the people who have been to previous Olympics. And you don't have, a, obviously, a say in the matter. But um, is it do you feel that it will be helpful that this is a business trip and that there won't be distractions and you know all of the pomp and circumstance and being able to trade pins with athletes from other countries and and do that stuff i mean does that help or hurt you on the on the track itself um you know i think it has its ups and downs number one i mean as since it's a business trip you know that's how we kind of treated the olympic trials um my coach and i i was just hanging out at the airbnb and then we would try to get there 10 minutes before I had to warm up just so that, you know, we got to the track, was we were out of the heat. Because, I mean, even in Eugene, it was uh, brutally hot. I mean, like, we were seeing like 100 degree, 110 degree days every day. Uh, Tokyo is supposed to be about the same where it's going to be it's going to be hot, but then also very humid. So the fact of it being a business trip is very positive. But then at the same time, you know, I want to try to soak in everything and I would love to go see some of the other events happening. Cause I mean, when you're at the Olympics, you know, you, you want to see the world's greatest athletes in everything. And I mean, I definitely wanted to see a lot of those sports that I was talking about, you know, like gymnastics, swimming, basketball, all the other archery and everything. So um, the fact that I'm not going to be able to get that full experience is the only probably like negative or downside to all the restrictions that they're putting on right now. How did you approach this Olympic cycle? Obviously, the pandemic uh, kind of threw a wrench in everyone's plans. But were you expecting to be here on this path right now? Um, you, you qualified. Uh, did, did you think that that was going to obviously, you know, you go into every race expecting to win. But what kind of what was the path that you were on before qualification? You know, honestly, it was a roller coaster of emotions going into this um, Olympic cycle and everything. So starting last year, I was ve- I'm a very positive thinker. And I was um, this was back in I want to say March or April when the pandemic just started. And I had a couple other athletes that were training here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We would go back and forth discussing, oh, are they going to have Olympics? Are they not? And I was thinking the entire time, like, dude, they cannot cancel the Olympics. And they canceled the Olympics. <laughs> so I, you know, stayed positive. I talked to my coach and I was like, okay, well, we're going to continue training. We're going to um, be prepared for if any meets come up. And this was an ongoing thing month by month where my agent, it was kind of a triangle of communication where my agent would say, hey, it looks like a meet will happen in June. Let's get prepared for it. So then my coach and I, we work up to it. June comes around. It's like, it's canceled. Uh, it's not going to happen. Finally, out in August, meets started to happen. So I was prepared. And uh, we got a little season in going all the way until like mid-September or so. And then took some time off. And then November, we started back up to get ready for this season. Uh, this season, we tried out some new things. And... At first, we thought they were going well, but then, um, so they were going well because my first race, my season opener, I had the fastest season opener, so I was really excited. Um, But then when it came to my next couple of races, we started to um, go in the wrong direction. We started running slower and slower. So I I started getting a little, um, definitely mentally stressed, and I was not sure what was going to happen at the Olympic trials. 
I was definitely, you know, my coach and I were having conversations saying, hey, there's a season after the Olympic trials. We got to make sure to continue to train and get prepared. It's going to go up until September. So we have a lot of time to get our time down. Um, and then also, what's it called? Um, our goal is always to, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make a team. We want to make a USA team and everything. So all of that kind of put that mental stress aside and I was able to just focus on my training. And then when it came to the Olympic trials, um, I mean, we were just on a roll. So I had a season's best after a season's best and then a personal best. And I kind of was after I was kind of joking around with my coach, talking to him saying like, Hey, what did we do in those two weeks? Because I mean, we made huge progress where we went from a 50.3 to a 48.3. So two seconds in the race. I mean, that's a huge jump talking about, that's about 20 meters, 30 meters or so. They stack these trials up pretty close to the games themselves. I mean, some of these athletes I've spoken with, they qualified back in 2020, you know, so I assume that that's pretty good gauge for anyone in track and field to kind of be hitting that peak at a certain time. Cause I'm sure you go through cycles where, you know, you, you mentioned you were kind of on the downswing for a little bit. I mean, you've, you obviously see yourself accelerating into the right place at the right time. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, even when we got back from the trials, I mean, we needed a, a break because my, I mean, my mentally I was at an all time high. I was telling my coach, I'm joking around with him saying, Hey, I think we can rerun this. Let's do another three rounds of uh, 400 hurdles, three days in a row. And then I get back from my first day of tempo practice and I am struggling. I mean, it was definitely a beat down. So we've been, uh, we took a nice recovery week, a buildup week. And now these next two weeks are kind of uh, sharpening once again. And I mean, we're definitely trending in the right direction still. And it's not like we lost anything from the recovery week or this um, up week that we had the previous week. So we're, um, I think we're just continuing where we were at and now slowly getting our time down a little bit quicker. How do you handle the stress that's kind of built up around this? Obviously, this will be the biggest race you've ever been a part of, you know, front and center international stage. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you, You've got it. You've got small increments that and and tasks and goals you're trying to accomplish. How, how do you kind of not think about standing on the podium and think instead about the steps you need to take getting you know to the to the starting line? Um, I mean that's a very good question. Um, I, the number one thing that has been helping is I've had a couple of distractions. Um, I had to number one. Uh, moved to a new apartment. And that was the first thing I did when I got back from the trials was um, start moving from the town home that I was in with a couple of buddies to a new apartment with my girlfriend. So that kind of took the stress of thinking about the Olympics where I'm now thinking like, okay, how do we get everything over here? Um, th some of the other distractions I had was like, it was my brother's graduation party the other week. So just an opportunity to see family kind of um, take the the thoughts of the Olympics off my mind and just kind of hang out with them and de-stress a little bit has been a good distraction as well. But at the same time, I mean, I'm looking at this as an awesome opportunity and, you know, I always feel that I belonged at the Olympics. So this is, you know, that, um, that dream or that goal that I really want to give my all. And 
um, I, you know, I'm excited about the opportunity. So it's definitely not something where I'm afraid of what is ahead of me, but more, hey, I'm looking towards that final. I'm looking towards the podium and I want to get up there. What's your, in the moments before a race, do you amp yourself up? Do you calm yourself down? Kind of what's your ritual heading? Maybe even, maybe even when you wake up in the morning. No, I'm, I'm all about getting hyped up. So, I mean, I make sure I'm blasting music um, in my headphones. Like, what are you listening to? <laughs> what do I listen to? Yeah. Oh, I definitely have uh, my fair share of Chicago rappers. And then also um, my roommate, he was from Memphis and he showed me a lot of Memphis rappers too. And I mean, it's just something to really get my head kind of bumping and get me in a very serious mood and hyped up mood. And then uh, right before the race, you know, I just have a bunch of adrenaline kind of pumping through my body and I feel confident. I feel in control, but at the same time, I also feel very comfortable and uh, relaxed where I'm not nervous. I don't have too many nerves, but I'm just like, okay, I'm ready to get this and show what I have. So that's definitely uh, my, my, my way of getting prepared is I'm trying to get hyped up as much as possible. <laughs> how did, how did this go from, from high school to, to the Olympics where uh, kind of who, who steered you in this direction and, and how did you decide that this was something you wanted to progress to? Did you always want to become an Olympian or is it just something that kind of morphed and, and evolved? Um, I think it's kind of something that morphed and evolved because I had a bunch of role models going through college, going through high school and college. It wasn't just um, I was looking at the top the entire time. Um, in high school, I had a couple athletes that were two years older than me and a year older than me. And my coach at the time, he was, you know, really uh, exemplifying them and saying, hey, this guy, he is like the, the number, the A athlete, the type A athlete where he's doing the right thing on and off the track. And now he's going to the Ohio State University to run track and field. And I looked at that. I was like, hey, I want to do that someday. So, you know, I tried to follow in his footsteps. And I mean, we were on the same team. So I would try to train with them, try to live with them. And then. Once I got to college, my freshman year, um, I had a ton of excellent athletes on my team or a bunch of excellent teammates where, you know, they were not only motivated, not only um, talented, but then also very helping. And we worked very hard together and I fell short and didn't make it to the national meet, but I had a bunch of athletes or teammates that did make it to meet. And I was like, Hey, I want to do that someday. So that kind of then, um, it's, that's how I think it's been like an um, evolving thing where I started using all these role models around me to kind of set my goals. And then once I kind of achieved that goal, I then kind of found that small, um, that next small goal that I could work towards. And then once I got to um, my junior and senior year, or sorry, my junior year, um, I qualified for the Olympic trials. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to run it here. And then I missed out from the final. Um, so now it was then at that point, it was like, hey, I want to make this Olympic team someday. So definitely an evolution that um, I've been slowly trying to climb the ladder. And I assume that's been a full-time job for you ever since, right? I mean, is there anything else that you're doing on the side? Um, I mean, nothing else I've really been doing on the side. Uh, the number one thing that I have been doing is uh, kind of paying my dues to my coach and volunteer coaching with him. So I definitely, I love this sport. I want to stick around the sport. And I thought this was an awesome opportunity where he's at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. And he has now given me some of my own freedom to, you know, run practice um, when 
uh, he has one group, I have the other group, and I mean, he trusts me, and I, it's um, it's been a very good coach-to-athlete relationship, and then also now like a coach-to-volunteer coach relationship where he's been teaching me, I've been learning from him, and I can also, or he's given me a voice to kind of uh, speak up to him as well. But, uh, what's been the, what have been the conversations? I have a feeling that, you, you know, you've been talking with people since the Shakari Richardson, um, mm-hmm. you know, story. Are, is there much discussion right now about changing some of the rules and, and how she handled it? I, I don't, you know, I mean, you don't, you can say as much or as little, I mean, she would be your teammate, but I, I just didn't know what kind of discussions are going on behind the scenes about that situation. Right. Um, I mean, it is a very difficult situation. Um, you know, there are people fighting both sides and um, there are rules about it where, you know, um, THC right now is is legal during the off season, but in season it is illegal. So or it is a banned substance. So the way that I look at it, um, I just try to follow the rules and make sure that I don't fall in that category. Um, but I mean, it's been a very tough situation. A lot of athletes have been fighting for both sides, but then also a lot of the public have been fighting for just, you know, they, they should let her compete because, um, around the U S weed is slowly, or THC has slowly become decriminalized and be, um, or more legal around the, yeah, the U S. So do you think that maybe this will change things? Do you think maybe next cycle things will change? I mean, is that some of the discussions you're hearing that, that maybe this will be big enough to change some of the rules or do you think that uh, maybe not? Um, I, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, it definitely puts a new conversation in, um, in the hat. So we'll see what it does. I do have a feeling that like it will spike or it will spark some conversation to try and change the rule, but I'm not positive on if it will or will not. Have you, uh, have you had any crazy tests? I've talked to some athletes who have gotten, uh, you know, their door knocked at at three in the morning while they're on vacation. I mean, you guys have, you guys have what an hour every day when you have to give, uh, you know, yourself an opening. What, what, what have you had in the past? Any crazy stories? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, this year, especially I've had, I want to say seven, no, I've had eight tests since uh, September of last year. So almost one every month or so. And I actually missed one of those as well because I didn't um, file or like update my whereabouts. And I was like, Oh shoot, I have one out of the three strikes. So I need to be on top of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually visiting my girlfriend who lit or who was going to school in Nebraska at the time. And, um, she had an old teammate that wanted to get into photography. So he asked if he could take uh, photos of us. And during the middle of our photo shoot, we're walking around uh, the, the Lincoln, um, the city. And I get a random call from a random number. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to ignore that. And then they leave a voicemail and it's someone saying like, hello, I'm at this apartment right now. Uh, I'm with USADA and I need to get a urine sample from you. And I'm like, oh my God, we need to rush to this apartment right now because I'm not trying to miss another test. So I call him. He's like, hey, tell me where you're at and I'll meet you. And he met me. We were still halfway through this photo shoot and he followed us for an extra or for a two hour period. <laughs> and I felt so bad. You know, I was trying to conversate with him as much as, much as possible. Say like, hey man, I apologize. Um, like we should only be a couple more minutes 
And he was like, Hey, don't worry. Like he's been in worse situations where he had to sit through like a four hour tattoo session. So I was like, okay, this is nothing for you. (laughs) But, um, at the end of the day, he then brought, uh, he then came back with us to the apartment and I probably took another 45 minutes to actually give a urine sample. And then, uh, we went on with our day, but that's definitely probably the craziest story that I had with um, these tests. What's your, what's your goal for Japan? I mean, can you flat out say podium or is there a certain time you're trying to hit when, when you kind of go to bed at night and you're thinking about, you know, what, where you want to be come August, what is, what is going through your mind? What's your goal? No, I mean, absolutely. The podium. Um, the number one thing that I've been saying to myself is, Hey, I want to make the final. I mean, it is a, uh, the 400 hurdles is an exciting year this year. We have a lot of athletes, that are, you know, toying with the world record and then someone, Carson Warholm, who just broke the world record. So, I mean, it's very exciting and I want to be part of that excitement. So I definitely want to make the final. And um, once you make it to the final, you know, it's a blank slate. Everyone is running for a gold medal. Anything can happen. So, I mean, the only things that I'm really uh, hoping for are that I make the final and then give it all in the final and um, come out with a PR and then hopefully some ho- uh, hardware as well. What, uh, what's your family going to be doing? I assume they'll have to watch you on TV at some points. That's right. Yeah. I mean, they have no spectators now and then no fans whatsoever. Um, I actually, my brother, my older brother, he was, or he's married to a Japanese citizen and they were thinking about making it out to Japan before they said no spectators whatsoever. So, um, now that that happened, everyone's going to be watching on TV. My parents, however, um, NBC and U- Team USA are putting together this opportunity where I can send two friends or family members to Orlando. And uh, they have like a whole Olympic experience where they're able to go to Universal Studios. And then uh, at night, they have a watch party. So um, they're going to be doing that while um, I'm out in Tokyo. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's for all 600 of you guys? All 600 of the athletes are doing that? That's right. Yeah. What they're doing is um, they're doing waves excuse me, of four days. And, um, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be down there in wave three for the semifinals and finals of the 400 hurdles. Okay. That's awesome. Um, where can people follow you? Is there, you have much of a social media presence at all? Yeah, I do. Um, on Instagram, um, big wave, Dave One Ten, And then on Twitter, I am David Kinziera. Right. Yeah, Anything um, we're missing? Anything you wanted to bring up at all? Did we um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no i mean that that's all that i really yeah i mean i've been trying to do my best to post a little bit more with uh better content and everything and then uh, i've been working with my high school district with uh, putting together a video that will probably be coming out after the olympics of just kind of the progress or i mean the process from trials to the olympics and everything so that'll be really cool and i hope to put that out um, sometime after the olympics Fantastic. All right. Well, good luck on your, your trip. And, and it's my understanding too, when it's over, they're kicking you out, right? Like once your, right. once your competition's over, there's, I don't even know if closing, I don't know what closing ceremonies will look like at all, but it sounds like within 72 hours, you got to get out of Dodge. That's right. Yeah. They, um, they gave me the option to get out the day after or, um, sorry. So my last race is the fifth. That's the final. They gave me the option to leave the fourth or the fifth. And I jumped on the fifth. I was like, no, give me an extra day so I can at least like try to do something, try to visit or anything. Um, it doesn't look like I'm going to have a lot of freedom, but I mean, at that point, 
if I do try to get out, I mean, the worst they can do is kick me out. I'm leaving the next day. <laughs> we continue the countdown to Tokyo. We'll have one more Quest for Gold coming up before the cauldron is lit. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll talk to you later on Quest for Gold. 